It's reporters assemble. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it. The sports reporters they have assembled. We're all back. The gang's all back. Andrew Hammond of Detroit Free Press, newly in the East Coast time zone. Andrew, good morning, sir. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Uh, I'm super excited for Euro uh, 2020, a.k.a. Euro 2020 plus one. Um, Yeah, and I thought games started at noon. They actually started at three o'clock. So I'm still trying to get used to the Eastern time zone, which it's, hey, let's wait all day for sports. Boo. It really is quite the burden. It's very difficult. I've told the lady, I'm like, I just, I don't know if I've ever really been all that in on the the west coast life moving to the west coast but for sports and for this career like i don't know why anyone who has the opportunity to go west coast like just being done with the nba by seven o'clock sounds delightful like just getting it all done and having your night still ahead of you i i just i don't know i 10 o'clock and what's funny is it's like 10 o'clock like if it's like super super late um, like what was the World Series in 2018? They had like a, a 17 inning game, and and I mean it was like one o'clock, and I'm like, oh, this is I, I'm completely fine, but I felt terrible for people on the East Coast for a little. One bit. of one of my favorite niche Twitter moments, and this is absolutely pop, probably something only a, a complete weirdo and, and pervert like me would enjoy, is that whenever you Bob a pervert, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Anytime there are late election returns rolling in and you see all of these election legitimate, <laughs> like, you know, politics reporters talking about having to order pizza to the office and stay up till three in the morning to file the results, et cetera, et cetera. Invariably, a swarm of beat guys come strolling onto the timeline going, oh, really? Having to file late at night? <laughs> Wow, while eating garbage food. That sounds like something I would never have to deal with as a part of my day-to-day work experience, you coddled little babies. Anyway, they get very snooty about it, and I, I enjoy it all the time. Hey, one, of the, one, of the, one of the highlights of the 2011, 20, uh, 2011 NBA lockout um, was Howard Beck tweeting photos of the pizzas that he got. Yes. <laughs> To the negotiating sessions at the Hilton in Midtown, uh. and they were just—they were just very, very disturbing non-pizza-looking pizzas. And if you search the hashtag "mutant pizza," you could still see a couple of the photos that Howard Beck posted a decade ago. That, I have that a bone to pick with Howard Beck, time. guys. What is it? Why? Okay, so he's a lovely man. No, about this take, I don't know Howard personally. I'm saying this tweet. That he sent out. Okay. Did y'all see this? I think it was last night. Uh, yes, it was last I, night. No, I, I don't know. What, okay. What no. Eric Name quoted, uh, or he said, in case it isn't clear in the broadcast, that is a fuck Katie chant in Pfizer forum. And then yeah. Howard quote tweeted <laughs> it and said, this is an alarming trend. Um, Howard. I don't know if I'd call it alarming. He's being, he's clutching a pearl or two. I, uh, but fun. I was also like, Howard, have you been in a, ha, I don't, have we all forgotten what sports was like before the pandemic. Like, what, I, I was at a Tennessee baseball game when it was 25% capacity in February, freezing my ass off. There was a man 20 feet away from me screaming at the top of his lungs, cussing out the umpire 
for a solid seven innings. Like this is what this is not an alarming trend. This is how it's always been. What are we talking about? Like this is how it's always been. And it, I would say it's been worse in the past. Oh yeah, it's it, well, it, it's you know how we kind of eased back into sports. Like for college football, everything was like quote unquote. 25 to 35 percent capacity mm. not in the south because covid for some reason did not exist south of the uh, mason dixon line it didn't because of the weather that, yeah that's i read right. that on like like sam donald i read about that on facebook nice <laughs> um but no like watching all of these crowds act a damn fool i'm like y'all like can we have sports not come back fully like can we just I, I feel like we need to like put people on punishment for bad fan behavior. Um, oh, I, I, I was interested in this and like, you know, Howard Bryant was actually talking about this with Howard Beck about um, Howard Bryant, the writer for ESPN, about how like there have been a number of fan crossing the line incidents, particularly in the NBA during the playoffs. Just not good things not right. you know even yelling rude things or yelling that uh, trey young is balding or something like that, that was actually kind of funny that was uh, funny that was funny that, was i thought it? it was weird when they started calling him eve fartlow but you know <laughs> new yorkers are they're very savvy to uh, local media trends um in any case wait bob did the knicks or the hawks advance in that series i don't know i'm not a basketball fan okay. in any case mm-hmm. um yeah, and and what 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 Howard Bryant was saying, and you know, and you can read. I believe he's either tweeted about it or written a story. He may not have written a story. He may have been on a podcast talking about it. But in any case, you can get his take rather than my boldarized version. Is that there is a certain resentment that has built up in fans because a lot of the very very cautious social justice activism that took place during the bubble, and that. Like spitting on a player or throwing a beverage at a player is to a certain degree a a, a backlash against the again by my interpretation very cautious kinds of activism that we saw for the most part during the pandemic. Um, I, I, I don't I, know I, if I, I agree. I don't know if I agree. I really think it. I think the majority. I, look. I don't disagree that there are a large section of fans who will both a still pay to go to a game and b um, are really cheesed off by by friendly slogans on the back of uniforms enough to like huck a heavy object at a player. Um, that feels like a small Venn diagram to me. I do think people have forgotten what it's like to be in a crowd and they're getting hopped up on adrenaline and the excitement of being yeah. packed to a building with other people again and it's making some of their inhibitions drop now whether some of the feelings underneath those that would normally be inhibited are coming out that's the point that i uh, that's where i might agree with him but i really just think it's uh it's going to take us some time as you were saying to reacclimate ourselves to being at a mass event i know look i went to i went to watch the Warriors Grizzlies play in game in a bar on the inside of a bar. And it was almost more sensory information than I could take in. It was very exciting and fun. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a hyped arena for not like a Knicks Hawks game. Cause like as I stated previously, not a basketball <laughs> game I care about or have deep seated emotional attachments to, but you know, some, 
sporting event would probably send me over the moon and I might do something very stupid as a result of it. I mean, I was able to troll a Philadelphia family for a solid two hours on oh, vacation good on Lord, Sunday. Oh, Lord, of course you did. It was incredible. Did you keep saying Wooder at them? Did no. You make, <laughs> did you make Mayor of East Town jokes? Well, how did you troll them? Well, Are it, they was, from it was during the Sixers-Hawks game <laughs> last Sunday. Thank you, Bob. I know you laughed at that. I did. I, I can't get into Mayor of East Town. It's just too depressing. I, I'm I need sorry. I'm on vacation, and I need to – I think I might, like, just – Go ahead and because uh, I'm headed, I'm actually headed down to because I was supposed to go to Atlanta, um, but plans changed and I'm I'm actually going to be headed to Dallas. Uh, I want to say either uh, Sunday or Monday, um, and so I, I think I might watch a few episodes on the flight down. It is it is? I don't mind the pace. It is very slow moving. I can handle things with a very languid pace, like any david lynch helm tv show ever um from david this, lynch? i love david lynch david lynch whips ass. i love it, david lynch it's just, it, I, no i was saying is it from david lynch no 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 oh okay gotcha gotcha no not at all i'm just saying pace wise it's 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 kyle anderson speed is what i'm saying it takes okay. its time and that's no, that's normally fine it's just very bleak it is grim stuff, man. Okay. It is um, not a, a leisurely entertainment experience. Is that kind of like the uh, the Jason Bateman HBO show that I, I've? It's the same palette. It's the same color tones as Ozark, yeah, that's, which that's I also have I, not watched. I kind of got that that vibe. Um, Do you like gray? Do you like a slightly bluer gray? I How about a maybe Seattle a brownish gray? I I lived in Seattle for two and a half years. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah that I've was when enough... you were. That was when you were in the chairs with Antifa. Mm. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, no, I like to call Seattle a uh, really like Pacific Northwest, like gray sky. Like it's just Baltic depression. Like okay. it's you can't even call this it is, Pacific you, Northwest. Pennsylvania it's depression Pacific. is its own thing. I mean, I went to college outside Philly, and that's not. It's a little too. Uh, it's a little too bougie and and uh, main lo- and manicured lawns to be the real hardcore gray Pennsylvania stuff. So clearly, I like for all the real Pennsylvania heads out there. I do not know what I'm talking about, but. A Pennsylvania winter is a is a it's 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 just Eastern Detroit in terms of the vibe. I don't yeah. love. I I like call. I know. I mean. I mean. I'm not saying that you know. I'm not disagreeing or anything. But I'm just like, yeah. Like, I feel like like that Pennsylvania that that Pennsylvania more veering towards Jersey. Yeah. type of grayness and like the Pacific Northwest grayness and probably Detroit grayness. Like it's this all is, just this kind is of West, there. This, I, I haven't checked, but I believe this is Western Pennsylvania. So we're talking like closer to Pennsylvania and, and Michigan and, and things. Uh, and gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. It, uh, that, that makes sense because I, I, it feels like, yeah, it, it's like, yeah. Cause I, I feel like Eastern Pennsylvania is a bit more, where, where the mayor of East Town takes place, it feels like it's more, you know, they look a little more refined. Let's just say that. Okay, that's fair. Well, that so actually, how did you 
How did you troll the Philly fans? Oh, I yeah, no. I cuz I, I don't know if you saw game 1. The Hawks blew blew Philadelphia out. And, and I I'm going to say it for another time. Hopefully the last. Not a basketball fan. I have no idea. <laughs> I threw up a lot of threes. I didn't. Oh think no, no, no! Wow, East Town. East. It's it's actually right. It's it's. I was entirely wrong where East Town is. It's it is like Jersey, Eastern Pennsylvania. I was oh, so it's depression. Oh, so it's even more depression. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Bob would rather it, talk about anything other than my experience trolling Philadelphia fans and the Hawks. It's a good like six hours away from where I went to college. Mm. It's it's not that far at all. Sorry, no, six miles. Six miles from where I went to college. Not that far at all. I know this stuff. I'm a practically a goddamn native at this point. Mm. Bob of Easttown. <laughs> Bob of East. Um, There you go. Uh, this naturally leads us to the NBA playoffs. Um, Andrew, what has been your favorite series thus far? Good question. Um, honestly, everything in the West. Like, I'm really fascinated to see how, and, and, and a little bit in the East too, but I, I'm very fascinated in this wide open, any team can win just vibe that the Western half of the playoff has. Because, you know, it's it's a short season uh, and, and it reminds me of 99 when, when they had the like, when they had the lockout and where it was basically just so everybody's so evenly matched. So you can kind of throw the seeds out the window and in a way you can kind of throw the seeds out the window here. Uh, I, I am such a fan of, of, of what this Utah team is doing, what the Suns are doing uh, and, and just, I knew the Suns had something special last year in the bubble where basically it was like, hey, you're going to play seven games. You're probably not going to make the playoffs because I'm pretty sure at that point they were already locked out of the playoffs, but it was basically for draft positioning and, and all of that. But they were super, super impressive in their time during the bubble. And I remember like thinking distinctively like, Oh, this team is gonna like give them a year or two, and then they add Chris Paul, and then it's like holy crap! Like this team is this this team could reach and possibly win the finals. So no, I'm super excited about pretty much everything in the West, uh, the East. I, man, it's um, it's the Hawks to lose. It's. It's so weird because I can definitely see a Nets-Hawks Eastern Conference Finals. Like, I can, I, can, I can see it happening. At the same time, it feels like Brooklyn can just roll the ball out because <laughs> Milwaukee is, is inconsistent. And frauds. Milwaukee is frauds. It just, frauds. I, I, I look at Milwaukee... I look at Milwaukee and because you know, being a Celtics fan, I paid it. I paid little to no attention because I knew that okay, yeah, this team, this you know, their their window of contention has closed. Burn it down, start all over. So I'm very interested in seeing you know what Philly can do, what you know what Atlanta can do. But it's just it's really it's really a three team race there because I. 
congratulations, Milwaukee. You win game one, or do you win game three? Yeah, no. That that series is still probably going to go five. Um, so, yeah, really just I love everything on, on the western half of the uh, playoff bracket and the east. And eh, I'm trying to warm up to it. I would push back against the seeding, throwing the seeds out, because that was something that was talked about a lot with the the Lakers being a bottom seed, what the Grizzlies did early on in that Jazz series, and you look up and down the list of like all the different ones across, and people were talking to themselves, oh, could this be a thing? And it's like, well, the Hawks were the only team of any seed below a four to advance in the next round, and it looks like the Suns and the Jazz are going to advance 1-2. And um, it's tied on one, so we'll see what happens with the Sixers and Hawks tonight. But the Nets still in good position as a two seed to move on. Like it is playing out, just like if you were a top four seed, you have the best chance of moving on. If you're a top two seed, you have the best chance of moving on to the finals. Like it's just the, uh, I think it's actually played out less parity wise than I think a lot of people uh, first saw. Because remember that Pelton piece before the playoffs got started of like the the fact that the seven and eight seeds had a real shot at beating the one, two seed. And this is a really rare thing in the West. And then they, and neither thing happens. And here we are like, this is just uh, the jazz and Suns appear to be on a collision course. Um, I'm not writing up the Clippers just yet, but I will say Frauds. it's not, not looking good. I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't do the Clippers Frauds. yet. Frauds. What did I? Uh, if you if you want to remember from way back in two weeks ago, what was my prediction for the finals? I don't know, Bob. You don't like basketball, and you're not a basketball fan whatsoever. Which is why I can dispense with all emotion and make a <laughs> rational, reasoned choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told you two weeks ago on this very podcast it was going to be nuts nut, nuts against the Sens. That was my pick. <laughs> he said, "Spoon rising for no reason at all." Uh, Net Suns. Uh, I read this is going to be this is the best chance Chris Paul is going to have to win a championship. The Nets are going to roll. The the Hawks are going to are going to dispatch with Philly soon enough. Uh, Nets Hawks is going to be good. Nets and six, same thing. Suns Jazz will be fun, but Suns in five probably maybe six, and then Nets and six in the finals. Mm. That's my marker. I'm laying it down. The the favorite thing for me was watching LeBron just just eat a pile of dirt. That was fun. <laughs> you know, okay, so I'm going to – I hate defending LeBron like this. I hate defending – not more defending the Lakers, but more kind of like um, isn't this what – like isn't this what we all saw coming? Like – Yeah, I mean like <laughs> look, the, the Lakers – look, the the – LeBron had to deal with injuries. He had zero time to recuperate after the bubble season. Uh, the replacements that they got for the supporting cast that they had were not. No, boy, Montrez Harrell, uh, six man of the year Montrez Harrell, really, really slit, went downhill. Um, they missed playoff Rondo. Uh, they missed Danny Green. They missed those those guys who were a big help in the playoffs. Um, and and Anthony Davis just could not turn it on all year. He was never the same player as he was in yeah, the and it, it, and it was a it was a roster that it's like, oh, the wildly inconsistent team that hasn't been able to gel all season long. Ah, it turns out they're a wildly inconsistent 
in the in the playoffs and in a game seven basically just kind of encompassed their entire season in 48 minutes so, like people were bagging on lebron i'm just like no, there's no need to bag on him. Like, the reasons why he lost were totally understandable and rational. He is right. in his, crikey, what is this, his ninth, 18th year? Yeah. And, you know, and, like, logging, not counting all of the extra games he logged in the playoffs. Like, of course he was going to have something less than a stellar chance of, uh, you know, a stellar postseason. That was and, almost and to be, given. And to be fair, uh, the man played – a hundred plus games for what eight or eight to ten years straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, so it's kind of like. Yeah. But I still enjoyed watching him face plant. That was fun. Watching <laughs> w- watching the Laker franchise face plant. Yes. Was was fun. Like like I'm like eh okay LeBron like. Here's the thing. Nothing beats 2011. Like nothing will be that moment when they lost to Dallas. So like with this, it's just kind of like, Oh, it's, and it's like, Oh, we all kind of saw this coming. So it's like, people are, you know, getting their, getting their kicks and it's like, okay, cool, whatever. But yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah, we all kind of saw this coming. Um, I am fascinated with the Clippers though. Like I, I may get that same kind of joy that you kind of have. They, with they, watching the Clippers, because we like, have been waiting for the Clippers to quote unquote turn it on for the last two years. It's it's just not going to happen, man. It's I, I, uh, did they win last night or did they lose last night? The Clippers they lost. They lost. Ooh, okay. See, I one one of the other things about living on the on the uh, west on the East Coast, it was ten thirty. I saw maybe the first five minutes of that game, and I'm like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. Uh, no, that's, that's, oh, I stayed up late and I watched it logical, as a psycho. That's a logical choice. No, yeah, no, no. no I, yeah. I, I, it's I, real I, pervert hours. Everyone's staying up until 1 a.m. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, for, for me, it was like watching the uh, some of the college uh, NCAA tournament for baseball. Like, I'm sitting there watching, you know, the West Coast games. And I'm just like, I'm a real degenerate, aren't I? And then, you know, watching soccer uh, – because you know he had the game out in Denver last Sunday, I'm like, I feel like such a degenerate, but I'm in my natural element. <laughs> Speaking of the degenerates, the Tennessee Volunteers, mm-hmm. the supervillains of college baseball, gonna gonna make it uncomfortable for the LSU Tigers this weekend, and they're... that's a series I'm excited to watch. Yeah, they'll be disposed of really, rather quickly. But honestly, it's pretty much all roads lead to Arkansas mm. in, the, in, in the College World Series. I mean, that, that they should have gotten eliminated. Team. Nebraska should have finished the drill. Very upset. Oh, you that... trusted you you trusted Nebraska to finish off the job when they haven't done so in like twenty years in any sport. I hate Arkansas so much. It's just not fair. They're not I, fair, Bob. That's for... that's one stadium that I want to go to. Bomb Stadium, just like... yeah, Bob. They had this reliever, Kevin Cops. And he is just, he is, for lack of a better word, absolute bullshit. Because when he comes in, you know it's over. Like, he's given up, like, four or five earned runs as reliever all season long. He just comes in and just mows you down. It's just impossible to hit this person. Is he using spider tech? No, but this is a good segue into the spider tech situation. This is maybe the best segue we've had in maybe months. Yikes. Spider tech, spider (laughs) tech, does whatever Resin can. Does. Yeah. Is DeGrom using it, Bob, or is it just no. Derek Cole? No. Again, speaking of real pervert hours, <laughs> I watched 
a 50 minute long YouTube video in which a very healthy person broke down the ways in which DeGrom has altered his motion in the last couple of years in order to add velocity mm. and and that the ensuing spin rate that corresponds to that velocity is expected for a pitch at that speed. Mm. So it suggests that he is not using any of like Lester Tatum's leftover stickum in order to add velocity. He is just awesome and cool and good. Mm. Unlike certain people named Brever Tower or something <laughs> like that. I, uh... Uh, no, he's not. I really think I, I am interested to see, like, of all the problems that baseball has, I mean, this is one of them. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's the most pressing one, but I definitely think it's entered the national consciousness as the most pressing issue because it's something that they maybe might be able to fix as opposed to all the others. Well, I think it's just more of like it's another thing of like if you're a casual fan, you're like, oh, baseball's got a ne- they're cheating again. They're che- the pitchers are cheating now. The pitchers, the batters, everybody's cheating. Like Stein stealing. Like it's just a one thing they after did. another. Still, all the beer mugs, every single one of them has been taken. I'm, you said so, Stein sh- I'm so shocked. Stealing. Baseball's cheating. Like baseball has spent not, what, 150 not. plus years of cheating. Oh my god. I. To a certain degree, and this is going to sound hyperbolic, I blame Pitching Ninja for this. Mm. It's his fault. Oh, you know what? Uh, I'd, I'd argue a top five sports account on uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You are correct, Bob. I Now, hear me out. This may sound like a, uh, a Skip Bayless-level hot take, mm. but I do think... In these the fact- shoes, he can't lose. Bob Silverman, go. Right. I do think the fact that the one way in which baseball highlights have proliferated on social media is through the clips of his awesome pitches with where everything is dirty and filthy and nasty and, and whatnot. And the fact that pitchers, in fact, go to him for tips. It does seem that there's a correlation between this one account dedicated to the coolest awesomeness airbendingest pitches and suddenly whoops in the last three years everyone's been like loading their hands down with boogers and using it to 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 torque the ball in all kinds of ungodly ways i'm just at a point where i'm like screw it just let i'm not saying you've got to dirty the game up and and you've got to my biggest issue with all of that is if we're going to try and quote unquote clean the game up you know what's going to turn into it's going to turn into, and this is, you know, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it feels like it's very kind of, it correlates. You know how NASCAR was kind of like, they used the car tomorrow, and it basically just kind of killed any type of edge that a team, that a race team could have? I feel like that's what it's going to turn into for baseball. Like, everything's going to be entirely too sterilized. And it's just not going like, to... The game is tough to watch anyway. And you're going to try and sterilize it with, with pitching and... and No, just... No, just don't touch it. Just... just Who cares? Like, I, no my, one... My point, my point isn't about, like, the integrity. I, you know, look... Every, every single sport, when you establish a set of rules, athletes, coaches, management from top down will figure ways to, if not outright break, bend and test the limits. Okay, of that's rules. bullshit, Bob. That is bullshit. 
That's not bullshit. I'm joking. Okay. I'm, right. I'm joking. The thing I worry about is, look, is, is the thing I worry about, the only thing that that concerns me is the entertainment factor. And baseball isn't fun to watch right now. It really isn't. And I, I don't know if getting rid of the sticky, which is why I said that it's become a number one problem, because it's a problem that they could probably tamp down on with a good solid, like three or four mound visits per game or ball checking not to be rude um and two or three guys getting caught in raising it could could probably at least stem the tide for a bit i don't know if that solves the problem of the game being less entertaining i really don't no it doesn't it it, it, so, it doesn't it doesn't solve that no not at all so i mean look for all of this year the pitcher talk that we've been having this year i believe runs are plateaued from where they were last year no one's hitting for average Everyone's striking out, but the amount of runs scored per game, and I didn't check before the show, so I may be wrong, uh, there isn't a precipitous drop. So, if the point is more runs are more fun, or we want more excitement, or we want more variety, I, I, I don't think... Will eliminating some of the weirder goop-inflected pitches help? Maybe. Um, but the problem is, it's just not fun to watch baseball most of the time. Except when DeGrom is pitching because he's good and cool and awesome. He's pitching tonight, by the way, fans, if you want to check out a Mets-Padres game. It sounds like fun for everybody. Who doesn't love the Mets and the Padres? Fernando Tatis. Jacob DeGrom. Is Francisco Lindor hitting above 230 yet? No. 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 They gave him the... He got a bad case of Roberto Alomar, Carlos <laughs> Baez. What a, what, what a great investment uh, by the Mets. Because he's, when it... He's very smiley. He's because he he picks up everyone's spirits. I, because I when I when I when I think I of investment, I think of the about, New York Mets. Look, the man blows spent more than that on a freaking Giacometti. Okay, I don't care about blowing through some of Steve Cohen's wet hedge fund billions. That is entirely fine. I don't care. I don't care if he hits two thirty for the rest of his ten year career. I would like him to not. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, Jesus Christ. He's the, at a robust 217. He's hitting 375 over the last, like, nine games. Well, the Braves, People, refer, re, they just refuse to catch up. Like, Austin Riley's hitting now, and uh, Acuna and Freeman have been good, but, like, that, that's about it. Like, it's just been a season from hell. Yeah, maybe Braves. maybe don't promote Acuna right now. Maybe later. Maybe maybe take a step back from, from Acuna. Wait, why would I not be... a promoting ronald acuna my lord and savior ronald acuna oh ronald acuna oh sorry i thought you said azuna oh no azuna is like (laughs) no oh if azuna is ever ever in a braves uniform like i i don't know if i can watch like i think that's one of the like he should be banned for life i don't know if y'all have gone through the police report on that that feels like oh I, I i read it the night it came out so i read i saw the story i was like oh that's bad and then like five minutes later i want to say either passon or rosenthal uh share the report and i read it and i was like oh that's very bad he should never be allowed in major league baseball ever again like they walked in on it like it's open and shut case like it's over like yeah, he's he, he, he done yeah which also just paid him a lot of money this offseason so i don't know how that works but um, great investment yeah not not great um but um bob are you ready for yeah. your cfb minute 
Yeah, I'm going to get some more coffee. You, you guys have fun. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll do our picks of the week when Bob returns with his, his coffee and ask him about what kind Me. of coffee he made. Andrew, CFB playoff expansion <gasps> is coming. How excited are you to see Notre Dame get blown out earlier than expected? Wow, that's adorable. Oh, by the way, Chase, um, mm-hmm. when's the last time Tennessee... Um, Can't lose you know, when you're not in it, sir. You know, so... All kidding aside, <laughs> part of me is like, yeah, awesome. You're finally expanding the playoff. You've still got, I'd say, three or four issues you need to fix so your playoff isn't a complete catastrophe, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, I think everybody, every conference, if, if, if able to – if physically able to, every conference needs to play nine games. And I say that because everybody was thinking that I was attacking Georgia on social media the last few days. Wasn't trying to, but if you take last year, because everybody's using last year's model as a sign of hope for Power Five or for a group of five schools. That's cute. That's adorable. Um, this is not a freaking Disney movie. That shit ain't happening. Uh but I look at Georgia, and I was making the point to somebody. I said, okay, look at Georgia's schedule. What's their best win? Their best win is Auburn. Auburn, mm, kind of meh throughout the season. What did Georgia do against Alabama and Florida? They got blown out in both games. They would be in that playoff. Is Georgia one of the 12 best teams in the country? I think we can all agree no. No. But they would have been in the playoff last year. You expand that to a you know standard twelve game season, you're gonna see teams that started out, you know, in the top ten, top fifteen to start the season, and they're gonna have you know one or two games where it could really help with their ranking. They're gonna lose that, but it's gonna you know they're gonna have the small. Yeah, not not meaningful, but they're going to have – or not meaningless, but they're going to have the small, minute wins that kind of keep that – sustain your top 10, top 12 ranking so you're going to be in the discussion still. That's the problem that I have with the eight-game schedule when it comes to teams in the SEC. And it's not just an – it's not an anti-SEC bias. It is everybody having the same starting point and everybody – getting the same like if we're gonna have the same starting point have the same finishing point and that's another reason why i say kill the ap poll and the coaches poll because literally you have a poll to determine a playoff you don't need the other two and you start the poll and you start the playoff poll first week of november on a sunday espn's biggest issue because they're pretty much running this is you have two days in between, you have 48 hours in between your final games, and then you you know you release the the poll or whatever. So you're gonna have that you know that politicking and all of that, and it's like the one thing that you need to get rid of when it comes to when you expand this playoff is the politicking, like or at least minimize it because it's never gonna go away. That's why I say release it on a Sunday. Have the have the votes public it, because explain, oh, why do we have three group of five schools just kind of chilling outside the top, you know, 14? Uh, because we really don't care about them. 
I'd rather you guys hear that than you guys, you know, than the chairman stumble through whatever's going on. Um, so, like, I like the playoff, but there's some things you need to fix. And everybody's laughing about Notre Dame's, you know, the the quote unquote Notre Dame rule for the playoff. You know, if they, you're telling me that if a Notre Dame team is undefeated. And a conference champion with one loss gets in as a top four. Yeah. Okay. That's probably not going to happen. Um, but mm, other than that, depends. if it's, say, if it is Oklahoma, eh, probably. If it's a group of five school, yeah, okay. That's not sure. happening. No. Yeah, I mean, like, so, like, that being pretty much being a non-starter, and everybody's, oh, Notre Dame needs to join the conference. Um, There's this thing in America that we kind of sort of love called capitalism. Why would Notre Dame want to say, oh, yeah, we got screwed out of a playoff. Let us go take less money. Cool. Awesome. Um, Yeah. I'm not worried, especially when 2025 hits and you're going to have massive conference realignment. Um, like, no, why Why would you instantly join a conference? Um, it's like, oh, no, we've been pre-screwed. No, you haven't. Nobody's ever been pre-screwed. I mean, unless you're a group of five school, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I... <sighs> I wish it was either six or eight because I think we're we're widening the pool and we're giving too many teams chances, but not fixing the internal issues. Oh, and by the way, the number one thing you need to fix, uh, actually pay the players because if they're doing a 17-game schedule into mid-July and then juniors, sophomores, and freshmen are going to be turning around in a matter of weeks and, and doing off-season conditioning – Pay the players. Well, I think it's the NIL has got to be just in and normalized by the time. Right. This well, this that, is 2023, I think. When this yeah, but it, also, so. um, if you're going to do that whole NIL thing and you're going to have these hearings and stuff, actually have student athletes a part of them, that would kind of, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you're, it's kind of like men discussing women's rights and, and women's reproductive rights and governing laws without actually talking to them or having them, you know, giving them a say. Yeah. Like that needs to, like they need to have student athletes, whether recent or current, you need to have them a part of it because if you don't, it's not going to end well. Yeah, I I don't know what is ultimately going to come from all of it, but I do think the pay the player stuff will never happen. Like I don't think. Oh, yeah. So the NIL is the best case scenario for a lot of these schools and different states drafting their own legislation. Like it's that's the best way around it. But I I share your concerns on the seventeen game season for some of these guys. Um, what that will do. Um, but I do think it will increase interest late in november expanding the playoff where it feels like more teams have a realistic shot when iowa state it's regionalized right now yeah it's reason it's regionalized right now but i do think people need to like 
I think the results will continue to be the same. The Clemson's, Bama's, Ohio State's, it doesn't matter. Oh, They're still going to run oh, through. That's, Parody that's, is not and, increasing with more teams, and I think people misconstrue that. Like, the March Madness just did a 68-team tournament, and the two finalists were the number one and number one overall seats. Like, that was well, it. Like, and, the two best teams and made people, it through. Yeah. Well, and somebody, somebody made a great point on Twitter today talking about, you know, how the Super Regionals are, are perhaps – some of the best, you know, post seasons that the NCAA puts together because literally it it's it's settled on the field. You don't have I mean you have a committee who puts the tournament together, but you aren't it's not manufactured. And I think that's the biggest issue that we have with, you know, playoffs in college and pro in this country where it's we want to manufacture the magic when the best part of what makes these moments, what makes these moments, you know, iconic and memorable, and all, you know, playoff runs and Cinderella runs, is they happen organically. But the NCAA, and much like the NFL and the NBA, you know, partially and Major League Baseball, it it they're trying to force that. They're trying to manufacture these magical moments by giving the little guy a chance. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you aren't doing it organically, it just comes off as fake and it comes off as, eh, okay. So, you know, you look at the group of fives. Congratulations, Coastal Carolina. Congratulations, Cincinnati. Like, you're going to take the highest group of five champion. More than likely, they're going to be sitting in the 12-11 spot. Like, there's nothing magical or, like... We're giving them a seat at the table that doesn't feel organic, and we and we're giving it's kind of like here, here, here you go, like go away, like. And people, you know, are using the 2020 model where it's like, guys, the Pac-12 literally did not know they were playing football for like two and a half months, like the Pac-12 wasn't included on that. It's it's, I feel like it's gonna work. But we need to kind of tamp down the expectations of this, you know, great awakening for the little guy. No, they just made the. Yeah, this is all pool. to get them from antitrust lawsuits. This is to. Oh, lawsuits. for sure, for sure. And well, and 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 the issue for you know for the bigger schools is everybody's chasing Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. But the thing about it is. You've just increased the 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 race to chase the Oklahomas, the Notre Dames, the Floridas, yeah. the Georgias. Like you just increased that, which is awesome, but you aren't really doing anything to lump those group of five. What I would lump- do because they're not playing for the same trophy. Friend of the pod, Radio Wyatt, um, former Mississippi State quarterback, pointed this out. If just like yeah, South Alabama and Alabama are competing for the same trophy in the year it's like no they're not like what i no. want is group of five to do their own playoff like that's what i want is i that would that, be and so that's what's probably gonna fun. end up happening like 2025 you know and i keep saying it on here and on twitter 2025 is the year that basically it's hey what 60 plus schools matter in terms of making money for college football this is who matters this is who doesn't matter like it's it really sucks that we're basically telling the group of five to to go away, but you're not ex- like 
you're not exactly providing a service for us. Like, look at Alabama's schedule. They're scheduling home and homes with all of these Power Five schools, mm-hmm. and they're going to sprinkle in their, you know, their group of fives whenever. Nobody cares. Like, nobody cares about the group of five. Like, I know it sucks to say that, but nobody cares. They're basically throwing them a bone so they can just go and shut up. Nobody cares about the group of five schools. It sucks to say Love that. Action. It sucks. You know, you know what the funny thing is? If Cincinnati, if Cincinnati goes to a group of five bowl or goes to a New Year Six bowl this year again and maybe goes undefeated, yeah, there's they're they're probably going to jump to the ACC in a few years or no, the, they Big go to the Big is gonna Twelve. Scoop. The Big Twelve. Well, I, I don't understand why we do not have uh, Cincinnati and oh, Houston. Oh, as somebody who covered that whole saga when they were like, yeah, we aren't going to create a network because. We aren't sure about the digital footprint and pretty much told Cincinnati, uh, Central Florida, South Florida and Memphis and in Houston's like, hey, we really don't need you guys right now. Yeah, no, they definitely need them. Um, yeah. Cincinnati would like be a good get. I think Houston would be it, a sleeping giant in the Big 12. They I think should. Well, Houston, Houston would be great, but there's this thing called the University of Texas and – I think Texas and Oklahoma are gonna go, and this might be a hot take. They're gonna go independent in football. I could absolutely see it happening. Hmm. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, Andrew, what is uh, what is your pick of the week? Uh, pick of the week for me is going to be for viewing purposes. It's going to be uh, Euro twenty twenty. Uh, I'm super excited about that. Uh, for reading wise, I'm reading the uh, Ben. I want to say Gulliver, uh, yes, friend of the pod, uh, Ben Gulliver of the Washington yes. Post. So and he the, has a, a very good NBA his... podcast that we should also point out. The greatest yes. of all talk. Uh, so he has a book out uh, regarding the uh, re- re- regarding his time in the bubble, and I am super excited to read that. I read like maybe the first few pages. Um, and, and before I got caught up with work and stuff, but I, I'm super excited to really dive in on that and, and read about his experiences. Yeah, I think uh, that's definitely going to be on my list because I want to go read that. Um, I am reading West of Sunset. Have you have you read that before, Andrew? No, what's it about? So it's a fictional perspective on uh, the last few years of F. Scott Fitzgerald's life in L.A., um, oh, okay. by somebody who studied and knew a lot about his life and his, his family life and his situation. And cause it was a really sad ending, uh, for him in LA and his, uh, wife being in, um, uh, a, a mental hospital, uh, and just dealing with that and like his personal problems and everything. But it's a very, very good read. I'm also reading front of the pod Pete Carotta's, um, NBA book. Uh, that is escaping me right now that I'm almost finished with. But it's, is he really a friend of the pot if you don't know what his book is about? I, no, I think I know what it's about. What a it's jerk. about like this. I'm trying to think. It's not because you. I, I'm just trying to think of what it's actually called. Uh, it's not the revolution was televised. It's basically the same kind of thing, but for the NBA of how the NBA blew up. But it's really good and a oh, lot of stuff. Oh, about, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, hang time or something like that. Maybe. Well, Pete Crotter. Yes. 
Is it because it's it's about like the early early days of the NBA becoming like the big kind of uh, yeah like a lot of insight pro- into Larry O'Brien and I didn't even know yeah. a lot of stuff about Larry O'Brien oh, that, oh that's a great book JFK that's a that's a, and... that's a tremendous book by the way yeah um, it's good it's good Bob what is your pick of the yeah, week yeah what I, I if everyone hasn't read it already there's a long form profile of the Nets but mainly Kevin Durant in uh the new york times that i highly recommend is it by stein um, no sam anderson okay it's quite good it does figure about it does feature about a thousand word lead about the creation of the universe so you know that's just my jam just a thousand words of throat clearing that eventually gets you back to kevin durant's theories on the universe and everything i don't know if i want that You'll read the whole thing. It's very long. <laughs> Kevin Durant. I and as we was. all know, the longer a story is, the better it is. Speaking no of one... your, your long story. You're a big Still long story guy. Being edited. Waiting for it to happen. Okay. Should be soon. What's, uh, what's, what's the story about, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Silverman? We'll, we'll discuss it off here. We'll talk about Sweet. it. Um, yeah. And then are y'all going to dive into Loki this weekend at all or no? I, I big fan, big fan. I watched it's the good. First one. It's how can I explain this without getting too spoilersy? Um, there are the contours of a much more interesting show present in what I've seen in the first episode. I highly doubt that that's the direction that Marvel will go, but it will still be fun to watch. It's. Mm. Yeah, I think more than Falcon, Winter Soldier, and WandaVision, we're going to start sewing threads, much more threads. Yeah, I mean, there's... And th- for, for Phase 4. I think, I think that's the, the thing that I like about it. requires every single element to contain so much, in, like, connective tissue to the next three or four installments, as we've discussed on the pod, that it's very hard to do something entirely original, I would say, look, I think everyone knows that of the entity the, called the, the Temporal Variance Authority that is, uh, you know, having Loki jump through all these hoops. I don't think I'm too spoilers alert to say that time travel and multidimensionality is a big feature of this. I think unless it turns out that the TVA is the big bad, I'm going to be disappointed. Mm. They are the big bad. I'm oh, yeah, sorry. they they absolutely are. Um I don't know if they will be a well-made show would realize that the notion of a singular timeline being controlled by faceless bureaucrats is bad. Uh, I don't even think it takes a well-made show to come to that conclusion. Um, Yeah, they have to be the big bad and then it'll be an interesting show. I don't know. I don't know if Marvel's extended commerce apparatus will allow that to be the case but i'm going to be surprised i think i think part of it will be uh, i i do I, think I that like the apparatus i like the i like all the 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 mad men um you know hat tips and 60s mod aesthetic that's all fun yes. for me um just, i, I, I do some th- like owen wilson he's yes. fun I do think that the that the whole you know and this isn't like a spoiler thing but i do because i think they talked about it how you know, the whole multiverse theory and, and we're going to basically see a bunch of low-key multiverse stuff. Um, 
Yeah, if you haven't figured out that that's not a spoiler and you're like, oh my god, you spoiled it, Jesus Christ, pay attention. Um, I, I do think that we're going to see a much more sophisticated... It's, much- I mean, look, Ant-Man 3 is called Quantumania. Right. And the Doctor Strange is called Into the Multiverse of Madness. This right. is clearly where they're setting up shop for the next spate of Marvel movies. Right. Well, it, and I, what I was going to say, it was like, it's... It's going to be much more entertaining than, and I think, much more impactful than the whole, uh, oh, no, a white vision. Really? <laughs> that, was, that was it? Um, Look, as someone who, if you collected West Coast Avengers in the 80s, that was a shocking moment. I, I, I get or, it. I, I tipped to John Byrne there. Right, no, no, I like I understood why it why it worked, and and I, I appreciated throwing, it. It was throwing a bone to the comic book dorks. You have yeah. to satisfy the comic book dorks. No, that's fine. But it was just kind of like, oh, that was that was it. Um, Look, I mean, the idea that the Scarlet Witch, the traumatized Scarlet Witch, is actually the most powerful entity in the universe is incredibly cool and interesting. And then they just ended it with a big tooth tooth fight. And she can leave the Jersey town that she held hostage and tortured with no repercussions. Yeah, that was like, that, 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 was, that, that was lame. That, that, like, that, that was okay. Lame. She's the most powerful being in the universe and she's, and, and humanity cannot stomach her presence because clearly she can warp all of reality with a thought. She then has to leave. And like, she's, and she, and she's off to read her books. Oh, yeah. yay. Yeah, she, um, she then gets. I know that perhaps Elizabeth Olsen's contract makes that very difficult to pull off. But again, you're dealing with these things like the the plot negotiation and and franchise tentpole needs often run contrary to good narrative con- like uh, fiction in whatever well, because you become DC if you do that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put we'll put a pin in the Marvel versus DC debate until next week but uh best movie is aquaman that's the best that's 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 a fact i can't be doing any of that for that guy up there have you seen orm bob silverman for that guy in the midwest technically in the east still blows my mind that detroit is an east coast time zone andrew hammond of the detroit free press for myself down here in knoxville tennessee that is all we've got sir we'll be back next week thanks guys Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.